Hello, newsies. Welcome to another episode of Get the Flick Out of Here. I'm your host, Alex Pulowski, and with me as always is Kate. Kate, Elizabeth is here, and we are uh, we are still not on time because we are doing a movie that takes place in New Year's Eve, and it is now January 12th. Uh, stay tuned for our big Easter special sometime in June. Correct. But um, I, uh, I had, for, I it, it's one of those things that I had forgotten about this movie entirely, um, and then I was looking for stuff for us to do this week, and I found it, and uh, I was like, "Wow, it's been a long time since it, I this that movie was really weird." I wonder if Kate's seen that. If Kate has seen it, we're not doing it because I need I need Kate to experience it for the first time while I watch it for the. 10th time and then we could have that kind of a fun interaction about stuff but um uh, i all i said to you i believe was like have you ever heard of the movie four rooms you were like no great that's the one we're doing and i don't know how much you did like looking into it watching trailers or whatever before you watched it but um it is one of those things where people that i have mentioned four rooms to and they're like i've never heard of that and i'm like okay well here's the cast and here's the plot, and it was directed by four directors, two of whom you've never heard of, and two of whom are fairly famous, one of whom is a friggin' legend, and they're like, how have I never heard of this? And the answer is because it got 13% on Rotten Tomatoes, critics hated it, it made its money back, and that's it, and then it just faded into oblivion, like nobody remembers it, the people who have watched it, as far as I can tell, everyone who's like, I love that movie, who's been sending me little little uh, messages and stuff, people who watched it really love it, but people have no idea it exists. Yeah, no, I and then there's some that I haven't seen because I'm so much younger than you, like so, so much. much younger than you. <laughs> there is like a small gap, but it is a gap. Um, that there's stuff that I've like heard of that I know my sister saw, or like I remember mm-hmm. seeing the jacket of at your local blockbuster or by us sure. Video King or whatever, <laughs> and I and didn't see because it was either not age appropriate for me or whatever. Um, because I have parents that love me. Um, right. but this one I flat out had never heard of, and I understand why people wouldn't like it, but I feel like the way this got panned is not uh no. is not reflective of the movie cuz i i think um and i to answer your question because you were like you were like i won't tell you anything about it i was like okay i'm not doing any i don't do a ton of research beforehand anyway but if there's stuff that i'm like oh i feel like i remember this or whatever mm-hmm. sometimes i'll poke around i was like no i'm going into this completely blind um what a trip it was because I felt ill prepared by my co-host for, <laughs> for what it was, but it's um it's very it's ambitious, but like it's ambitious and I think it works. And it was funny that we're doing this after because it does have one linchpin that holds four I can't even call them intersecting plot lines because they're just their own mini films in this film. That's right. Um 
it's not like the the characters in the four different rooms ever meet or anything like that. No. Um, it's just one guy holding it all together. I love the soundtrack so much um, with this jazzy little um, kind of through line that is a little bit... I'm a big music gal, so whatever. It, it rings to me as the East Coast sarcasm that you get in only the good die young and and things like that musically where sometimes you'll have a really cheerful melody contrasted against something that is um incredibly sad or heavy this music has like this lightness under it and it has um this almost detective-y vibe with it but like i feel like our bellhop is so held hostage through the whole thing that it's like he's not the one in control here um it's really, really, really fun. And I think people that don't like things that are almost, it, it feels theatrical because of the way it's presented in a lot of points. Like if that's not your style, I get you not liking it. But I, I think it's an unfair criticism to say that the film doesn't work. Um, Cause I think it actually works quite well. And so much of it is pinned on the performance of just the bellhop in it, which is pretty fun. Right. That is, right. He has the challenge of all challenges in this. Yes. Um, so th- again, this was uh, ambitious is certainly one way to describe it. Um, it's just, it is, uh, uh, an undertaking. It was, a I don't, I don't know exactly whose idea it was. I, I do know that these four directors, their first films were all at Sundance 1992. They wow. all met at Sundance 1992. Um, one of them took home the jury prize for best film. Uh, Alexandre Rockwell had a film that nobody remembers from 1992, an independent film that took home the grand jury prize. Uh, In the Soup was the name of the of the movie. It was the first film ever made, ever starring Steve Buscemi, who went on to do all kinds of stuff. Probably most well-known in the current zeitgeist for the How Do You Do Fellow Kids gif. Um, uh, well, board, but, boardwalk Empire, though, right? That boardwalk was, Empire, was, sure, certainly. Years, but like, yeah. he, but that was a few years ago. He's done, he's he's done some stuff recently. But like, he had a huge, let's say, aughts, nineties yeah. through the aughts, huge Boardwalk Empire was was a big deal for it. anyway. So that was his first film, won the won the Grand Jury Prize, and then there were um three other directors there who were um doing their. Uh, first films Um, and uh, they all at some point decided let's make a movie together and um, and this as far as like it would be very odd if it was not if the idea did not come from them at that moment maybe like a producer went to all of them and said let's do all of this stuff Um, but I don't want to give Harvey Weinstein too much credit so I'm going to say that it was not his idea, and it was actually these young filmmakers' ideas. So, Alexandre Rockwell was one. Allison Anders, whose first film and the probably the biggest gas food lodging, was was her first big independent film. Um, Robert Rodriguez, who was uh, showing El Mariachi, who then which then morphed into Desperado, and all of his um, really cool. Um, Mexican crime stuff that he did was awesome. He did 
he of course his most famous stuff that he did was the Spy Kids franchise actually made the most money out of everything that he did. Um but uh but yeah worked forever still does a lot of producing directs here and there um uh, but like has his hat in a lot of really cool stuff. Allison Anders did not direct a lot of films after this but still has a huge resume of directing TV episodes on cable, network, streaming. Uh so she's still working Alexandre Rockwell does not work anymore. And then the fourth person is Quentin friggin' Tarantino, who, when this film came off, came out for Rooms, was hot off of Pulp Fiction. Jeez. Like, so, like, yeah. that was... Oh, yeah, the timing Pulp, of that now that we're talking about. Pulp Fiction, yeah. he was the darling of the industry. And then this film came out a year later. And they did not do, like, a... It's... This is a film co-directed by Quentin Tarantino, the it filmmaker of the moment. Let's release it to this crazy amount of, like, let's do all this kind of publicity for it. He's starring in his fourth of the film. Like, yeah. There's a lot of really cool stuff they could, they did none of that. It opened on only 319 screens nationwide and still made back its $4 million budget. And that's it. And that's critics, very odd. Critics, that just came right after Pulp Fiction, and they just did nothing critics, about critics it. Critics panned it. It just faded away. But I remember seeing um, because I was a I was a Tarantino nut in my teens. With because again, I went to see Pulp Fiction when I had just turned fifteen in the theaters. Because I sneaky sneak, sneaky sneak, um, and uh, I had a. I had an older friend uh, who was who was seventeen who bought us all tickets because <laughs> whatever. Um, but also, uh, but that friend also turned me on to Reservoir Dogs, which was the fi- film that um, that he was exhibiting at Sundance that year. So like, it was a huge thing, and like they did not do it at nearly enough media or anything. But I remember seeing a um a trailer and going oh i gotta see this because i loved tim roth who was so great mr orange in uh in reservoir dogs and uh i believe um pumpkin or is it honey bunny one of the two robbers in, in the diner scene in in pulp fiction and i found as many of his things as i could to watch uh at that time and i was like this is gonna be great i gotta go see this um, and so I went, um, it opened on Christmas day, 1995. I went and saw it on the 26th, uh, at a tiny little art house. I was a, one of four people in this little art house thing. And I went and I, they never carded. I was 16. I bought my ticket. I went in and, uh, I was like, this is, this is great. I can't wait to show this to all of my friends. It was not in the theater the next week. It played for one week in Eugene, Oregon at the Art House Theater and it was gone. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, and, I'm from a town that this probably didn't even make it to. Like, sure. I, I'm very, very unlikely yeah. that something that wasn't like an up the middle center of the radio dial sure. type of movie would have made it right. to being to New York. Yeah. Um, so I. Um, Anyway, I, I remember really loving it, thinking, like, this is so 
I mean, ambitious is a really is a good word for it, but it's just unique. As you said, like just just the soundtrack over the whole thing that you found a, a group called Combustible Edison that is all weird kooky jazz with um, a, a, a female vocalist, and all she does is scat. Yeah, the entire thing, and like doy. like it's. That Very, was in my head the rest of the week for when I watched yeah. it. Like it just, it, it really is like it's, in it's really fun in your head. It's the perfect complement to uh, to what's going on in all this. It's really fun. Yeah, um, the opening credits also just immediately like th- threw me for a loop at the time because nobody was doing anything like this at in the nineties. Uh, was the the old Pink Panther style animation of the bellhop going through all of his stuff and his nemesis in the little animation was his own hat which i just thought was very cute but also it's done during this really cool um jazzy scat song for for, to this very long very cool through line opening credits with the with the animation everything like that's really excellent um and and then we're, we get four vignettes written and directed by four different, uh, at the time, uh, up-and-coming directors. Um, there was as good a chance uh, for Allison Anders and Alexandre Rockwell at the time to, like, blow up and be as big as Robert Rodriguez, if not as big as Quentin Tarantino, but they just didn't. Um, but the opening thing is we meet Ted the Bellhop, played by Tim Roth, um, who is being, uh, I guess, initiated into the Bellhop life by a reti- by a guy who's retiring as the Bellhop. I don't remember what his name is, but he's very, very old. Where do we get the uh, term Bellhop anyway? Like, just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, you know, really, you know, really you, know the, you know what you know what you know where the term comes from, kid. Bellhop is so is so fucking ridiculous. Somebody rings a bell and you hop. <laughs> just, but he's like all these memorabilia's of all these um, of him with all these old, like I like uh, the stars that would come through here. You wouldn't believe. I took Rin Tin Tin out for a shit. <laughs> um, but he's just, but it's a reason. But he puts his own little hat, his own ninety-year-old hat on top of Tim Roth and says. Anyway, kid, <laughs> good luck. And he leaves. He packs up his suitcase and he walks out. Um, and it's he just does little... give him like a little warning, though, of like, yes, he does. Like, uh, stay... here are some stay... some secrets of the trade. Yeah. Little, yeah. Uh, stay away from uh, married. Don't get involved in married couples business. Stay away from kids. Don't drink on the job. And whatever you do, keep it in your pants. Um, and so uh, that's his little thing. Wouldn't you know it? All four of those things. All four of those things. Um, so, but like, um, but I, I loved that transition um, because I think the last thing he says is like, "and don't don't take your cock out." I think it's yes. the last thing he says. Yes, that that is the the actual <laughs> quote. Yes, and like, what I love is he almost implies that like t- he's just so helpless in so much of this. Our our bellhop mm-hmm. here, 
like him saying those things makes it sound like those are things that are in his control. So even if he was fastidious about it mm. and was like, okay, I'm not going to do any of these things. Like what comes next behind right. each one of these doors? He has very right. little um, agency in and it's, it's, uh, a huge part of the charm, and I just love that we go from such an aggressive line to what happens next. <laughs> right. Um. Uh. So, it, uh, we can assume this is Ted's first night on the job, but I don't like to assume that because it doesn't make a lot of sense. He's really good at the job. Maybe he's been a bellhop at other hotels, but like or the way like he, the way he was he's... training, and this is his first night doing it alone. Was yeah, I guess like how I felt. Yeah, um, but yeah, the, the the basically the old the old hop bellhop like giving him the hat and giving him the speech and leaving. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe he was training under him for a few months, but anyway, um, he he's there alone on New Year's Eve. This is the Monsignor Hotel. Um, it feels like Beverly Hills ish. Yes, it's a fake hotel, but it it is it is a is an analog for several hotels. When you drive through Hollywood, Beverly Hills, these these big old hotels. Like I I went out for uh, I was best man at a friend's wedding who got married in L.A. and uh, for the bachelor party night, um, there there was a, a hotel a hotel room that they had gotten. Uh, where everything was like pristine, but you could tell the hotel uh, was last decorated in 1948. You know what I mean? But it was, it looked all really nice. Nothing was like dilapidated. This feels like it was of the era, but had not been upkept as well. Right. Um, it was so, grand in its day. Like very, right. yeah. So the, the first, the first vignette is the one by Allison Anders. Um, and they are, um, I can't remember what the, they, they, they're a title card, like an old silent film title card comes up on the screen and it gives you the name of the room, either the number of the room, or if it has like a specific name, it'll give you that. And then the, the title, and I can't remember the title of the first one, but the, the, it takes place in the honeymoon suite. Um, and uh, he is he he goes down to the to the uh, to the to the to the curb. There's a cab that pulls up. He loads up all the luggage of this first woman. This is Valeria Golino. Uh, a lot of people know her from Rain Man. Um, a lot of a lot of movies in the in the 80s and 90s. Um, his ridiculous like cast in all of these. Yeah, ridiculous uh, yeah. cast. Yeah. Um, but uh, but anyway, she um, she's got that wonderful. Um, European, it's not quite. I know she is Italian, but it doesn't sound exactly Italian. Like, there's this really cool thing, she doesn't sound like Giovanni Vinci. Um, but like, uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, he brings her up to the to the is she's she there's the honeymoon suite is where she goes, and in the middle of the room is this giant like bathtub cauldron with a little little cupid fountain. And everything like you know, it's a honeymoon suite where you you know you do your thing and you, there's a bath in the middle of the room for you know stuff. Anyway, so she's like, "Oh, this will do nicely." Um, there'll be others who will be arriving. Please show them to the room. Um, uh, the others that arrive include um, 
Well, I'll 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 do them not in order that they show up, but I'll le- I'll save the big one for last. Um, uh, there is um, a, a, a woman who shows up with her black cat and is singing to it in the elevator. She's she's kind of Southern bellish with a giant Lacey Evans hat, and um, and she goes in there, and then uh, there's this hippie type. Who's like, um, she, she walks, she meets him in the hallway as he's walking back down to the lobby. And she says, I'm looking for the room for making love. <laughs> is, um, uh, honeymoon suite. Yeah. It's like, um, oh, oh, don't, don't need to show me where I'm, I know where it is. Um, it's just, okay. I just wanted to let you know that I know where I'm going. You needn't bother with me. <laughs> she's she's just nicely toasted, and she she's great. I love her, Lily Taylor. I love that actress. Uh, so she, she goes in my favorite. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, and then we get somehow in this movie, and again, I do not know how this movie did not like pop off. Pop off simply because you like you you just you lie to people and say starring Madonna. In 1995, 1995 many, Madonna. Like, how many celebrities in the world are bigger than Madonna? I mean, if if you say there are more, certainly the list does not exceed four or five. Yeah, I mean, when Michael Jackson is above Madonna. There may be like one actor or actress in the, like maybe, Madonna. Is a 1995 Madonna. Huge celebrity. Madonna is in your movie. Um, uh, And she is dressed head to toe in black pleather. Um, And uh, she's because also, what else are you going to do with Madonna in 1995? Like, Um, but she also (laughs) has uh, with her in tow um, uh, a, um, I don't know, a teenager. Yeah, um, with with uh, with white girl dreads, um, and uh, um, she's just you know smoking constantly, and and uh, Madonna's like, "Don't smoke." Uh, what are you, my mother? Yes, I am. Then why are we sleeping together? And t- Tim Roth, who's facing the camera at that time, says, "Like, is this? He's this <laughs> tiny little reaction to the camera. Like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with that." Um, and uh, and so anyway, takes her to the room, and then finally the the arrival uh, is the main character of this uh, this whole thing. Um, it's Ioni, I think that's how you pronounce it. Sky from Say Anything. Uh, she was also in Alison Anders' first uh, movie, um, uh, Gas Food Lodging. She was the lead in that. Um, so she's she's really good too. Yeah. like she's yeah. yeah. So anyway. Ted brings them there. They're all there. It's like, if you need anything else, don't hesitate to, to ask. Um, oh, we, and, and Valeria goes, oh, we do need some things, uh, some things from the kitchen, fresh rosemary. And she lists all these things. And it's like, yes, I, I think we can get all that for you. Um, so then they do a ritual. Their whole thing is they are there to 50 years ago, a, 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 a great sorceress was was cursed on her wedding night and turned into a block of stone and her husband was turned into a frog and they are there to resurrect the the thing out of um 
to get uh, to, to get her spirit resurrect her whole corporeal form out of a block of stone that they have here. Her name is Diana. They all have very like Jezebel, uh, Athena. They all have these very mystically, um, made. mystically names. They're a coven of witches. So it was at have- this point in the film I said, of course Alex didn't tell me anything about this. And of course this is what I'm getting. <laughs> but again, this is long in the rear view by the time you get to the third thing in the movie. I would like, even argue after the second, yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying like, like each is so different from each other. Yes. And the only through line is this brilliant Physical performance by Tim Roth. I can't say enough about uh, what what he does in this movie to make everything work. It does not work at all unless Tim Roth is doing this stuff. It's yeah, great. and doing it perfectly. Like, yes. Because of the challenge of he's one guy having an experience over the course of one night. Right. Um, but he is in four different films in that process. Right. So the... Um, consistency and continuity of him is so 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 important but he's walking into four completely different batshit situations um absolutely absolutely in love with him in this uh but yes by i didn't i knew there were four different the only thing i knew about this was it was four different scenes from four different directors um i did not realize how wonderfully disjointed they are. Like, it's really fun. And I think what why it got panned is actually why I love it. But there you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I just don't think they, they, they... I will say it is uneven. I don't, I don't think that... Yeah, it's a hoot because of that. Like, well, it, but I'm saying, like, it doesn't... To me, I can, I can easily rank them. Oh, I'm sure. Easily, yeah. I can... And I think everybody else would probably maybe would quibble between three and four, honestly. I don't think anybody puts two at number one. I know nobody puts number one at number one. <laughs> like it's it's just it's just it is it is a it, it's um they're 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 all very different, but they're all trying to do different things. Um and I this one to me feels the most like this was a script that Allison Anders had in a drawer somewhere. And she went and polished it and revamped it so it could work in the movie. You know what I mean? Um, so uh, I, I just it, 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 that's that's why this one kind of feels destroyed. And the fact that it is the first one, this is how we basically are getting to know Watching Tim Roth. It. Yeah. And um, anyway, the ritual is all of them um, like what is. The very specific things that they each brought. I can't remember exactly what each of them brought, except for Jezebel. The, One thing the, that doesn't the, get brought. Well, well, yeah, but no. But the the, the Southern Bell says, uh, and they all have to do a little a little limerick or rhyme before they can throw it in there. But anyway, she brought the sweat of five men five men's thighs. Is what is what the, the Southern Bell brought. And then the each one each brought other ones as well. And they all do a little dance after they throw it into the big cauldron in the middle of the of the thing. But then Ione Sky gets up and uh, she she weaves a little tale about uh, how she was uh, supposed to bring her boyfriend's seed uh, to throw into the pot, and uh, wouldn't you know it? 
I'll say it because I'm the girl. She swallowed. Yeah. She, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> she, mm-hmm. um, mm. so what I, I actually love about this is she does a like Liberiki rhyme anyway, but it falls apart because she wasn't able to <laughs> accomplish what she right. was supposed right. to bring. And the disappointment from Madonna is yes. so what's beautiful is they do not come across as witches. They come across mm-hmm. as five white girls who think they're yes. witches. And yeah. um when it falls apart, you realize kind of there's like this moment where that you can tell like how full of shit they are <laughs> that I think is really, really fun in this where um and I forget which one of them says it, but the other girl's like, I get it though, like I've been there. <laughs> It's just very, very funny. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Their reactions to, like, the thing that hypothetically they all came to this hotel for just fell apart. And this girl kind of just, like, in her little rhyme Mm -hmm. was, oh, by the way, I screwed literally everything up. And they're all just like, oh, darn. But, like, I get you. But great job. Like, the the tone around it is really, really mm -hmm. fun. Yeah. Um, but now they have a problem to solve, Alex. But now they have a problem to solve, <laughs> uh, and so they um, they say that that um, she has one hour to 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 get something here, and so uh, they um, call the bellhop and have the bellhop come in there, and it's very um, it's like they say um, here's here's money. Uh, fifty dollars if you can make our whatever her name is. I can't remember her name. Smile, and he's like, and and that's all that they say to him. And then they leave and they hang out outside and they listen through the walls. <laughs> um, uh, and she's trying to explain. It's like it's like we are um uh we're a coven. Says Ioni Sky to him. He's like, we're like a coven of witches. <laughs> um, yes, <laughs> right. Uh, so he doesn't know how to take any of this that she describes to him. He's um, so precious throughout this whole thing. Yes, he yeah. it kind of launches here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so eventually, I mean, listen. I mean, why not? <laughs> I mean, sure. I'll. I'll. Yes, for fifty dollars. I'll take one I will, for the I team. I will make you smile. Okay, uh, and they're all, by the way, like beautiful and sometimes just like yes. unnecessarily shirtless in this. Like, yes. it's, yeah, it's not like a the what the ones uh, who, what a the tremendous ones who are like. Deep. Oh no, no, I, I, I yeah, sure. I'll, why not? I'll, I'll, I'll go topless for this. Why not? And so the ones, just, the ones, the ones who didn't want to didn't have to, didn't. which was yeah. nice, you know. Yeah. The, um, the, the uh, yeah, the, some, some of the um, uh, the ritual could shirts optional for the ritual. Basically shirts optional, is, is, yeah, yeah, is basically nice. where we're at. Yeah. Um, but I literally was like, the old man bellhop just told you, don't take your dick yep. out for any reason. But and I mean, here I, you are, first day. She, <laughs> she did. Um. She did uh, use a, a a love spell on him. He was saying yes. no. I was told not to do this. Um, and 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 then she's like this little little love spell. You can see little laser beams coming out of her eyes, and then <laughs> hearts go around his head in a little uh, cartoony thing, and he falls in love with her. And so they apparently they do it in the cauldron. Yeah, that's so they're, the... they're, 
So there you go. <laughs> Only way. The cauldron, of course, being in a honeymoon suite bathtub, though. So. Yes. Yeah. So Eva is the name of the character Ioni Sky plays. So the, she was the, very the name good. Of them is Athena, Jezebel, Elspeth, Raven, and then Kiva is the like witch in training, the the teenager <laughs> that is there. And when she disrobes, she has big duct tape X's over her nipples. <laughs> there you go. Um, and so they were able to apparently they after after Tim Roth has done his deed. He, 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 he like leaves. Oh, she, she, she had this, like these cherries that were like a barrette in her hair. And she gives them to him as like a thing to remember her by. Uh, and then um, uh, he, <laughs> he leaves and they do the ritual and Diana comes out of the thing. Like it worked. They did it. it. Worked, Great. Yeah. That, and that's the end of it. That's the, we don't know what happens on these witches for the rest of the night. We don't know what, what, what crazy, uh, Un, unholy uh tr- like weird orgy thing. they're having up there yeah <laughs> but, but, but also like okay we we brought a great sorceress back from yeah. the dead that feels like that's the beginning of a lot of bad stuff so um i don't know what happens in the rest of the movie maybe maybe you know by the time the movie is over uh a, a bunch of witches are now taking over the planet uh with their dark magic and their orgies i think what I really liked about this was I was thinking of on the show Shit's Creek, there's an episode where there's a girl who comes through town and mm-hmm. she her name is Albany. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> they're really good at naming people on that show. And she's just so um full of shit. And like watching this, when I was watching them, I was like, these are California white girls who are full of shit. Like these are not actual witches. And then for it to work, I thought was a really funny thing. Like, because um, they were not named Jezebel. They named themselves that. And they have like this weird sexual thing going on. And Madonna's here. And like, I was like, of course this is going to be silly and not work. I thought it was going to go in the other direction of like the bellhop is caught up in this in some more extensive way but like the Mm -hmm. fact that they it actually worked i thought was actually like a fun little um unexpected little swerve (laughs) yeah (laughs) that they were like no we actually brought a sorceress back to life was kind of fun because i i took them as being full of it (laughs) yeah um so that's the end of the first was in this and quentin tarantino was coming off of pulp fiction and they did Mm -hmm. not advertise this to the moon is so weird to me yeah yeah. Like when you think of the time that it came out, it was like everybody's peak that was in this. Yeah, they did not advertise this movie at all. Like there was mm-hmm. not a thing. Like it was just I, I happened to see a a trailer for it. And this was before online. You know what I mean? It like, almost feels like Quentin Tarantino hated his scene or something. And like didn't uh, want to publicize it. I don't know. It. But Honestly. it's good. But we'll talk about it. Anyway. Yeah. Um so uh that's the in the first one, and um, the uh, I like the little vignettes in between the vignettes that oh, set up where it goes. Um, that soundtrack. There's a uh, there's a party going on upstairs, and they're like calling the bellhop, and they're like uh, they're calling the front desk, and like, um, hey, uh, what room are we in to have somebody send up something? And they're like, uh, um. For uh, four oh four. I thought we were on the fifth floor. Just, just, just tell him what. He's like, well, what do we even need? 
ice. We need ice. We're making mixed drinks. We need ice. ice. Uh, they got a blender up there and everything. Everyone's going crazy. And so it's like, uh, hey, uh, and uh, so Tim Roth comes up. They've got an old-timey operator switchboard where he's got to plug the thing in. That's how old this place is. He's got to plug in the thing there and plug in the thing there so he can even answer the phone. That's so great. Um, and so he's like, uh, he's like, yes, sir. Right away, sir. Ice, sir. Click. And so he's going to, they told him 404. They were in 504. And that's the thing is that the name of this one in episode in, in room 404 is the wrong man. And uh, this is, he comes in and immediately there, like he, he, he knocks on the door, the door opens, he walks in, it's pitch black in there. And then the lights come on and there's a, uh, a, a magnum gun uh 44 magnum dirty hairy gun pointed right at his face uh and uh and there's a guy in his boxer shorts his tuxedo shirt is open over undershirt his uh bow ties undone he's wearing the sock garters and the and the in the tuxedo shoes and uh a woman in her negligee uh tied to a chair with a gag in her mouth um he has walked into something he should not have walked into um, and what we find out, this is David, I never know how to pronounce his name, Proval, 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 P-R-O-V-A-L, been a lot of stuff. Um, and he, uh, he is, suspects that a man named Theodore has been having sex with his wife. Wouldn't you know it? Ted is short for Theodore. Theodore. He is very confused about why they think it's him, but that's my name, but nobody has called me that for a very long time, and everyone who has called me that leaves leaves thousands of miles from here. I I don't know what's going on. Please, A, stop. Don't kill me. Um, But uh, the the man, the husband, um, is, uh, is obviously out of his mind. Um, and keeps chomping on whatever is in his little vial of pills. Um, so he's uh, uppers, downers, both, all, all manner of things. Um, and uh, he's trying to get him to admit that he has had sex with the wife, which, of course, he hasn't. Um, but even if he had, probably not a good idea to admit to it to a man holding a gun in his face. Correct. Um and uh, this is just this. This also feels- like can't stress enough. He doesn't look like the kind of guy that's like not to be stereotypical or whatever. But he's not like the busting up marriages archetype. I'll say. I mean, I don't know, man. He just he got lucky with a witch like fifteen minutes. That's ago. actually, you know what? That's a really fair point. That's a really <laughs> fair point. Touche. Um. Uh. So um he. So. Eventually, this is a weird thing because the guy ends up like almost befriending him in a way because he hates being called Theodore. This is a very long, um, long monologue about how people used to call him Theo the Thumper. Um, uh, and, um, and then he finds out after that long monologue about how much, please don't call me Theodore because of all this stuff in my head. Uh, that reminds me of that, and the guy bonds with him because his name is Siegfried. 
So like we both we both were teased about our names when we were children. Therefore, we are friends now. Hold on. I'm going to go into the other room, um, into the bathroom. And while he's there, the wife is like, untie me. But she does it through a gag. So she sounds like Axiom. <laughs> um, and uh, eventually he's like, I don't want to do that because if I do that, she's good. Um, and so he pulls it out. And so they're whispering very loudly back and forth. Um, and uh, um, <laughs> um, he he refuses to untie her because he doesn't want to get in the, involved in this. I was told not to do this. Please don't uh, get involved with married couples and their things. But it's like I've, I've anyway. So um, Siegfried comes out of the bathroom, and uh, Angela is the name of the wife, Jennifer Beals from Flashdance. Um, and she, this is actually, uh, Alexandre Rockwell's wife at the time was Jennifer Beals. Oh. Um, so, um, so she decides to like get his goat, her husband's by lying and saying that not only has she had sex with Ted, the bellhop many, many, many times, but he has an incredibly large penis. And um and uh, and she uses all these different names for how big the penis is, how how uh, his penis, the noun. Um and um then uh, um uh, it makes him have a heart attack. It makes Siegfried falls over having a heart attack, but she didn't mean for that <laughs> to happen. Um, so uh, she's like, go into the bathroom and find his nitroglycerin pills. Um, and so he doesn't have a heart attack because he has a heart condition. So he goes in the bathroom and can't find it anywhere. They're not, they don't, there's a a medicine chest, but it is, uh, just no pills, lots of other things, but no pills. So he's having a full on panic attack. Ted is while a man is having a heart attack in the other room and Jennifer Beals is screaming at him about pills. So he decides the best course of action is to try and climb out a very tiny bathroom window, 17 <laughs> stories high. Like, it's it's incredibly... It's not seven, it's four. But it, there's an awesome little shot of him with his head out the window, and then shot from five blocks away. And there's a little line, a little arrow that says, Ted. It's so cute. <laughs> it's a very cute little shot. Um, and uh, he's just screaming for help. Help me! And eventually, he looks up, and there's a guy, the guy who called him out the ice, who's got his head out a window. And he turns his entire body around in the window. So he's looking up on his back through the window with the legs still. And the shot is, you can, there's the wall. We can see the wall, but we can also see the legs on one side of the window and the head and arms on the other side of the window. It's a great shot. And he's saying, I have found myself into a situation but I can't even possibly begin to explain. Um, <laughs> if you could call the police, sir, I'd very much appreciate it. Um, and uh, and he's like, sir, are you all right? And the guy goes, ice? What happens if you don't have ice when you're doing mixed drinks? Well, then it's a little too much alcohol involved. So that man pukes right onto uh, Tim Roth, who was able to extricate him from the, himself from the, win- from the wall, from the window, back into the thing to miss most of the puke. But the, uh, the puking guy, played by Lawrence Bender, who is uh, Tarantino's producing partner, produced all of Tarantino's Oh, cool. Films. 
Uh, in the 90s, Lawrence Bender was in all of Tarantino's movies. He was just a, a bystander. He had to have like two or three lines in all of Tarantino's movies. Um, so then he goes back into the room and David Proval, uh, Siegfried, has woken up. Looks like he's okay. I can't remember how he gets himself out of this. He just he ends up running away out into the hall. Yeah, I think he just yeah just, just there was a, out. they get distracted <laughs> and he runs out into the hall. Um, and uh, he bumps into a guy from the party. Um, and uh, he's like, hey, hey, man, I'm looking for room four hundred four. And uh, Tim was like, whatever you do, do not go in that room. And then he leaves. And, uh, and he's like, uh, he's, I'm, I'm Theodore. I'm looking for a... So this is the right man, the guy who they were trying to get in there, I think. Um, and so he goes in and the, the door closes behind him. And you hear the exact lines of dialogue that started the first scene with Tim Roth now being repeated by Siegfried. So what I got out of this is this is a, a scene that they, that these, a role play between this husband and wife that they do all the time uh, because it is fun for them. Um, and they just happen to get the perfect bellhop who was the guy that they brought in for the party. Yeah. This to me, I loved that. It was like verbatim what had just been said. Cause that really clues you in on it. And I love that we don't know that until the end. Right. We're going to talk about the next scene where the mm-hmm. end is mm-hmm. a big reveal. Yes. Um, but I I loved that because that means our, our dear Bellhop never finds out. He doesn't know. Mm-hmm. He, he, no. he will never know that that was He'll just never, like a, never a role play sexual fantasy mm-hmm. of this couple. And he just mm-hmm. thinks that he slowly escaped the weirdest hostage heart attack situation uh, with someone who was of the same name that was supposed to yep. come into this, yes. who might actually know what he's walking into as well. Maybe, perhaps. Um, so that's the second one. Now, the the third one is um, room three hundred nine. Oh, I forgot to mention during this second one. At one point, the phone rings in room 404, and Siegfried goes and Rick picks it up. And he says into the receiver, Oh my God, I forgot. No, no, we don't have any needles here, kid. Just a big fucking gun. Clink. No idea what the hell that is. I think we figured it out. Um, but in room 309, we have. Um, uh, oh, also, I forgot about this. When When he comes out of the room, Tim Roth does and shuts the door behind him before he bumps into the real Theodore. There's a four O and then a missing number. Oh yeah. And you can sell, tell at one point that it's really well done because you can see a faint outline of both a four and a nine. So Ted was in the wrong room to begin with. He was, he actually went to four Oh nine. But he was supposed to go to 404, but he was actually supposed to go to 504. All all of that, he is the wrong man in so many different ways. In so many ways. 
Um, and he he's and, just so um, you're kind of like rooting for him through this whole thing yes. too. Yeah. Um, he uh, anyway. So this is the one that's written uh, and directed by Robert Rodriguez. Um, Robert Rodriguez. Uh, this is the beginning of him having his little fun thing he likes to do, which is working with kids. And what a perfect little pair of kids that he that he casts for this. My this God, is, they're so, just so good <laughs> at it. But this is where we meet um, uh, Antonio Banderas again. Yeah, but uh, he he was not yet like he did not blow up yet, but like yeah. it was right before he blew up. So, um, but he's got the sl- slick back with the little ponytail on the back and the little tangle mustache, and he's smoking a cigarette all the time. And his wife, uh, Tamlin Tomita, um, a beautiful Japanese statuesque, um, and their little perfect uh, two kids, one of whom uh, is this little Mexican boy, one of whom is this little Asian girl. But it's fine because their parents are Mexican and Asian. And so it, it, you perfectly, perfectly buy it. I love the idea that like one of them came out and was like the father. One of them came out was yeah, like was the mother. Like That's fine. Cool. Um, but uh, they're all going to go out to a New Year's party. Um, and they're preparing for it. And the mother is doing the hair or whatever. And uh, the, the father's like, no, don't let your mother do your hair. You got you to wear it slick back. Like me, then you look cool, but he can't slick it back because the way that the kid's cowlick works, you can't slick the hair back. It's like, you got your mother's hair. I can't do anything with it. Ah. <laughs> um, it's a very cute little scene. Um, and he's very intimidating. And the kid keeps picking up the 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 cigarette that gets laid on the sink and trying to smoke it. It's cute. This little kid. Um, I can't remember the kid's names, but there's the boy and the girl. So um we um we get um the the my husband say like why don't we just leave them here? Let's go out to the party ourselves because we don't want to bring them. I mean, let's go to the party. They're they're dressed really dressed up. Like he's in a tuxedo, she's in this evening gown. It's like uh, you can you can get bombed all you want at the party, sweetheart. He says to his wife. So she's she's ready to have, go out and have fun. Um, but with the leave them here, leave them here alone. No, not alone. With the television. That's what he says. Like, all right. So uh, he calls the bellhop. The bell a bottle of champagne. Fast is what he is what he says earlier in the scene. And so he brings up the champagne. He's like, ah, too late. We'll drink. He's like, but I want to drink. No, you can you can drink at the party. This he says to his wife when she says, "Now, how would you like to make five hundred dollars, sir? How about three hundred? Three's fine." <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other thing that's fun for me is I had to go back and look at this because uh, basically any dollar amount that is quoted in the film, double it. Because it's about a $2 to every $1 1995 money. So like, oh, God, think so of it sad. now. So like if he's like offering him a $500, it's actually a thousand. Like a thousand bucks, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll take that. Um, this is a, he says, um, uh, all you have to do is check up on my kids every half an hour. Make sure they're okay. They're not burning the place down or anything. Uh, and then you'll make $500. Uh, uh, you'll make $300. It's like, uh, the, you, um, uh, I can call out for a babysitting service, sir. Uh, no, 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 no. I don't trust babysitters. 
I don't they're they're more they're safer by themselves than with some crazy pedophile babysitter I don't know from the man in the moon. So uh it says uh all right. Um well um for five hundred dollars, like you said three. Uh, no, sir. I distinctly remember you said five. <laughs> I said three last, and three is what last is what counts. Um, uh, sir, this is a pain. This is the situation. This is this is a pain in the ass that I don't need. I'm here alone. I was like, uh, you call my children a pain in the ass? No, sir. It is a situation that is a pain in the ass. <laughs> he says, and he says so no, you're right. No, you're right. The first time they're a pain in the ass. And so like, <laughs> he counts off five hundred dollar bills and he gives them to to Ted. And the, the wife is like, you children are getting expensive. And so um, the kids are there watching uh, TV. And he says that you, if you're good, I'll bring up some milk and cookies. Um, so whatever. Uh, they says, make sure they're in bed before midnight. So um, the kids are there alone, just watching TV or whatever. And But they keep talking about how uh, uh, something stinks. What stinks in this room? It's your feet. My feet don't stink, um, says the says the boy. Um, and uh, so then they they end up like, um, oh, he turns on the nudie channel, which is not really nudie channel because she's clothed. She's wearing a bikini, so it's not really the nudie channel. But you're not supposed to watch this. So she calls the front desk, and she says. Um, can you turn off turn off the nudie channel? I'm not allowed to turn on the the, the adult channel without your parents' permission. Um, no, I mean turn it off. It's on. I'm looking at a naked lady right now, um, and uh, it's a. I, he looks at the computer. Says the computer says that it's off in your in your room. I don't care what the computer says. I'm looking at a naked lady. Turn it off. Um. So uh, the little boy won't won't give up the remote, uh, all this kind of stuff. She's looking through a drawer and finds a giant hypodermic needle. It is enough to like kill a horse. It's a huge hypodermic needle. And she says to the little boy, um, "Give me a, a room number." Um, and uh, he says uh, four zero nine. So she calls the number. She says, "Hi." Do you have any needles in your room? Um, there's a big needle in our room, and I was wondering if it like if it like comes with the room, or do you have one in your room? And we hear on the other side, we don't got any needles here, kid. Just a big fucking gun. Okay, thanks. Click. Super um, clever. Super, which is super clever, clever, except you know me. The time. There's zero way because she she calls the front desk to have the nudie channel turned off. And then she she finds the needle and she asks the brother for a room number and then she calls the room number. There is zero way Tim he Roth got up there. Yeah. That, that put down the phone, went upstairs to like do the... There's zero chance that that happened. It's, there's a 15 second span of time. Her calling the phone uh, of the other room happens halfway through the other scene. There needs to be like a 15 to 20 minute time. Gap there, yeah. There's not. Listen, it's clever. But I can't help but be myself. So, <laughs> so anyway. Um, uh, so they keep talking about stinky feet and whatnot and all this stuff. And um, um, my feet don't stink, she says. She says. 
And he says, uh, you smell them, says the girl. You think they stink so bad. So he crawls up on the bed to smell her feet, and she kicks him in the face, and he flies off the bed. She grabs the remote and turns off the nudie channel. Um, and uh, this is where... Um... Oh, uh, th- she decides what we're going to do now is we are going to... Um play uh darts with this giant hyperdrabbing needle i found i'm going to draw a target on this old painting with lipstick and we're gonna play darts with the lipstick so uh they're throwing the darts and thing at one point the 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 brother barely misses his sister's hand while she's drawing the target so they're throwing the thing and then tim roth shows up with milk and cookies we're out of cookies so you get milk and saltines. <laughs> They're very old saltines. So gross. That's so gross. Um, and so uh, it's like, all right, get in bed. Uh, you, we're getting in bed now. Your parents said before midnight. It's before midnight. Get in bed. Uh, well, why are we going to get in bed in this? Oh, they also. She also said earlier. Why did we get all dressed up if we weren't going to go? Going to go out, yeah. And so she says, just get in bed. Okay, get in bed. Um, and, uh, uh, what if, uh, you want to be nice, look nice if there's a fire, don't you? (laughs) Stay dressed up and get in bed. And then he, uh, he says, um, uh, close your eyes. Um, your father says he doesn't trust babysitters. He was very, uh, right to do that because I had a babysitter once who was very mean to me. Well, this is, uh, 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 don't break the rules and I won't break your necks. Somebody said that to me once, only they weren't joking. Um, so then he says, I have this mentholatum ointment. He says, mentholatum ointment. Um, smell it. Mm. Uh, so I'm going to put a little dab on your eyelids, uh, and that'll keep them closed. Because if you open your eyes, they'll burn, burn, burn. Uh, and then, what happened what happen when we wake up in the morning? Well, if you keep them closed all night, it'll wear off by morning. It'll be fine. This will make sure that you stay in bed with your eyes closed. And so he leaves, presumably to do... This is the thing, is that this is the point where he goes away. When she wakes up and washes off the thing, she should find the needle, call the room and do the thing, because then hours will have passed. passed, yeah. And he could then be in the middle of doing the other thing. Um, Also, when he brings up the milk and saltines... He's not at all weirded out by the fact that he just had this psychosexual drama play yeah, out yeah. in this other room. Here, when he comes in, he is freaked out. So he should be... This is where the whole... See, I'm sorry that I have to do this. I can't stop. No, it really makes like sense. This movie. Um, but she wakes up because there's fireworks going outside. So it is midnight currently. There's fireworks going on outside. Uh, she wakes up because of the fireworks. She goes into the bat. She's got her eyes are still closed. So she walks into the bathroom and she washes it off. It's actually a pretty smart little kid. She and is. Um, they were and, great. She, the kids were yeah, great. The, in this they were really thing. good in this. And he, she goes back, sits in the bed, turns on the TV and watching whatever she wants to watch. And this wakes up her brother. And she says, he says, Hey, how'd you get the stuff off? I washed it off. You can go do it too. Um, so uh, she, um, See, uh, she, he goes, washes it off. Well, he, first she tries to run to the bathroom and hits the door jam. <laughs> and then he walks in, washes it off. It's really fun. Uh, and then 
Um, he, uh, he says, um, uh, get a bottle opener. Because uh, he's going to open this champagne. And the kid is opening the champagne and he shakes it up until it explodes everywhere. Um, he, uh, she calls the front desk to, to, to say something. I forget what it is. She's calling the front desk for some reason. But anyway, um, eventually the, the bottle explodes. There's champagne all over the place. Um, and they're like, this, it really does stink in here. It's in the bed. What is in the bed? So they pull the top mattress off and stuffed into the box spring. Folded up in a way that is completely unnatural. Is a dead woman. She is wearing a leopard print mini skirt and uh, bra. We you are to understand. She, perhaps a, a perhaps a uh, sex worker. Yes. Um, and uh, and so she she's just obviously dead. Eyes rolled back, blood all over the face, um, and uh, and 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 left there. And so then she calls the front desk. And the thing that, that I love that that. Uh, um, uh, there's a dead body up here. You gotta call the police. You gotta you gotta you gotta come up here. There's a dead body in the bed, like in the bed. Like you saw the body? Yes, I'm I'm looking at it right now. Aha! There's mental automotivement on your eyelids. You can't see it, so you're making it up. It's all a dream. Um, I washed it off. You what? Didn't you ever think to do that when you were? <laughs> yeah, she was like, she I'm says, just smarter did... than you. Yeah. Anyway. Um, he's like, oh, um, get up here right now. There's a dead body. So, uh, he, oh, the kid, the, the brother says, cover it up, cover it up, cover it up. So he, she pulls the mattress back over the body. So he comes in, um, and, uh, the, um, oh, the, the kid is now smoking a cigarette <laughs> over and over again, the little kid. And so Tim Roth comes in and is sees the kid smoking the cigarette, sees the nudie channel on the TV, um, and like, what is going on in here? And uh, and he keeps slapping the the cigarette out of the kid's mouth. He keeps picking it back, put it back in, and uh, the the champagne is like spreading all over the floor. She op- she pulls the mattress back, and he sees the thing. <laughs> he says, he says, I believe that the Jesus Christ. What the fuck is that? But does it wall? Projectile vomiting. Yes. Um, and he gets on the phone. He's like, hello, police. And he's so British in this moment. Hello, police. You must send someone over here right fucking now. There's a dead whore in the mattress. And she, says, she says, don't call her that. Um, and I love that she's she's taking up for the honor of this dead woman. That yeah. is not nice. Don't call her that. I'm serious. You send someone over here right fucking now. There's a dead... And she takes the needle and stabs into his thigh for the crime of him insulting the honor of this dead woman. And so he's hopping around and he's the, the room catches fire because the cigarette um, landed with, with this, this champagne thing. Um, he's trying to figure out that we, we can see that, uh, Antonio Banderas and, uh, oh, while, before he went upstairs to deal with the, the dead hooker that he didn't believe was actually there, he can see 
Antonio Banderas, who is he's really uh, scared of. Yeah. Um, come back with, with fully drunk, unconscious wife in his arms. Come back to the front door, into the lobby. So he's back, and he knows, because he just talked to the kid. The kids are awake. They were supposed to be asleep by, by midnight. So uh, he, he, has to, he goes up there, um, scared that he's coming through. So when Antonio Banderas finally comes through, oh, I keep forgetting the great thing. Before he leaves to go to the party, at the beginning, he says, don't misbehave. Like the way he says misbehave is just great. Misbehave. Um, so he says, don't misbehave. The name of this movie, the name of this, this, this vignette is The Misbehavers. So um, he comes into the room and sees Tim Roth with a hypodermic needle stuck in his thigh, holding the leg of, of the hooker who's dead in the mattress because he was trying to not fall over. He grabbed anything he could to steady himself, and it happened to be this leg. Sees uh, the, the, um, the room is on fire. Uh, sees the nudie channel on the TV. Uh, and the kid smoking a cigarette. Looks at it, looks at his look at his dad, throws it over his his uh, his head, and a whole other section of the room catches a blaze. So fire, and um, and he drops his unconscious wife on the floor and goes to 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 Tim Roth. Did they misbehave? And and that's the end of the vignette. It's it like this the still shot of him with the needle in his look with it growing the thing, and he's and it's a it's great. Oh, it's so good. This one was my favorite. I don't know if that was your ranking, but this one was my absolute favorite. The kids are great. The thing is, they kind of didn't misbehave really all that much. Um, yeah. Not, the the when, worst when, for, parts for of it kids, were not their not. fault. No, yeah. No. They were like, um, no. like, there's a dead sex worker in the room right mm-hmm. Th- mm-hmm. that wasn't on them they no. were actually trying kind of not to watch the duty channel right. they did what they were supposed to do but there is that like beautiful thing of kids wanting to act like adults yeah. um as soon as an adult isn't in their presence so of course they're gonna go for the champagne and of course their cool dad has a cigarette mm-hmm. so they want a cigarette yeah. like yeah. um all those innocent little kid things are yeah. are still so there um and even just them playing with the hypodermic needle to play darts with it. Like, if you're a kid and you don't know what's in a hypodermic needle, like, of course you're going to do stuff like that. Like, I yeah. loved, loved, loved this vignette so much. I thought it was so much fun. And, um, yeah, the because there's not, it's almost like there's not a ton happening that's unordinary. And then all of a the sudden they find a dead sex worker. And then all of a sudden... Like what they walk into is so misrepresentative of the passage mm-hmm. of time. <laughs> it's really, 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 really fun. Yeah, um, I, uh, I, I, I really do love this one a lot. It is number two for me. Um, okay. Uh, uh, I, I respect so much. Um, like number number four. The Quentin Tarantino one, and he wrote the vignette that leads up to the vignette, which might be one of my favorite parts of the whole thing. The dialogue wise, I love his dialogue, but I also respect so much how the the vignette once they're in the hotel room consists of three shots 
that are each of them like five minutes long. Yes. No and so you have actors who are movie actors who are used to memorizing three sentences at most and then moving on um, doing a full stage play and the artistry of where to put the camera, how to move the camera, how to swing the camera around. It's honestly some of Tarantino's best work as a director is this little 21 minute vignette in the, the, the man from Hollywood. Um, it's, it's crazy. And uh, I, I also feel like it's the best acting that Quentin Tarantino has ever done is, is this. And somehow he got through it without saying the N word or I have to put on an Australian accent. Like it was good for him. So um, this, uh, yeah. So anyway, this thing to me, like it, it, the, I, the artistry of it so much, I love. Um, and I just also love Tim Roth within it. Yes. And him like just, I don't know. Uh, anyway, so the the he's about to quit his job. This is what understandable. after understandably he calls his the the night manager who got the night off because she is because it's New Year's Eve. She's having a party at her apartment, and he calls it up. And who picks up the phone? But Marissa Tomei. Now, here's the thing about Marissa Tomei. When the, in almost all of the print material, the posters for this movie, you will find Marissa Tomei in it. Playing a character she does not play in this movie with hair that is not in this movie. Like she's in a she's in a, a, a gown like the, in our I should probably load it up in our little um, thumbnail. The person they put your face over is Marissa, Marissa Tomei. Tomei. But that's not who she's playing at all. So, like, they, they, they somehow you, you, you won't advertise heart, like, you know, in a way, like Madonna, Madonna, directed by Quentin Tarantino. But you'll be like, Marissa Tomei. I mean, look at her. Doesn't she look hot and sexy? And the, and she doesn't play that. She plays a stoner. Yeah. With her hair up in little piggy tail buns on top of the head, completely stoned out of her gourd. And honestly, Great work from Marissa Tomei. Completely, completely against type in this thing. I wish she had done more like this throughout her career because she's really good at it. Um, so uh, she um, she picks up the phone and goes, "Hi, who's this? Who's this? Is I'm trying to talk to Betty. Um, uh, uh, Betty, who's Betty? This is her apartment." I want to talk to Betty. He's like, oh, hi. Um, and he says, uh, what, what, what's your name? Margaret. Margaret. Um, so then he has to, he, he, like, you sound upset, uh, Ted. What's going on? Um, and so she, she, she has a whole conversation with him about everything he went through that night, including uh, being fucked by an, uh, I, I get, first thing that happened, I got fucked by a coven of witches. You got fucked by an oven full of witches? No! A coven! A coven for witches! Actually, that part wasn't too bad, actually. Sounds like your night turned out, started out pretty great there, Ted. Well, Ted, um, there's a guy who's waving a gun in my face. Did it look like Dirty Harry's gun? I don't know. What kind of gun was it? I don't know what kind of gun it was. I'm not a gun guy. It was a big fucking gun. Uh, did it look like Dirty Harry's gun? Uh, yes, it looked like Dirty Harry's gun. Did it have a, a short 
uh, short barrel, long barrel. What the fuck difference does it make? Well, it's actually the difference between a 357 Magnum and a 44 Magnum. I don't care! It's a big fucking gun, put it out of my fucking head! He's just so angry about all of this stuff. Well, and it's so said, funny, because I I think everybody's been there of, like, I urgently need to get a hold of someone, and then mm-hmm. some idiot just, yes. like, barricading yes. you from being able to do it. So much fun. Yes. Um, and anyway, she uh, she eventually says, Betty? Is there a Betty here? And sits up from the floor. The the person who lives here is passed out, laying down on the floor, sits up. It's Kathy Griffin, who, again, was not yet a star, but be- became a, a household name in the late 90s or, or early 2000s. Um, and she is Betty. It says, it's Betty. Uh, it says, who? Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm Betty. This is this is my fucking place. I live here. Who the fuck are you? I'm Margaret. And this is Ted. She hands over the phone. And then she says to the other two women who are playing like Sega Genesis, you guys want to go get breakfast or something? They're like, no. Um, so then we get Betty on the phone with Ted. And says, he says, and then all of a sudden, all of this weird, I don't know if he's if 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 Ted, the character, is putting this on or putting everything else on, because then he drops into hello, Betty. How are you? You have a lovely evening, did you? Like he just completely cockneys it up and says, um, uh, Ted, what's the problem? Oh, problem? I haven't got a problem, Betty. I've got problems. Plural. One aware. Like he's just completely cockneyed it up. And is uh, first of all, um, there's this big Mexican gangster type poking his finger in my chest, scaring the hell out of me. There's two kids, and then um, uh, the, the rooms. There's rooms blazing a fire. There's a there's a great big fucking hypodermic needle stuck in my fu- stuck in my fucking leg, in, infecting me for, with God knows what. And there's me walking out the door right fucking now, Buenos noches. Like no 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 no. Um, so she's trying to explain to him why he can't just quit his job and walk out because the very per- the very important penthouse phone looks like the bat phone. From the early, from the sixties uh, thing, and it's ringing, and she can tell that's the sound of the penthouse phone ringing. No, 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 it's the Chester Rush party. You have to deal with them before you leave. Uh, I was like, why? Um, because they're trying to they're trying to bring back the Monsignor Hotel and have more hotel client uh, ho- Hollywood clientele stay there. But it was very important that we that we do that. Um, so he probably just wants champagne. You can do that, can't you? Just please deal with him. It's like, uh, all right, I'll do it, and then I'm going to leave. He says, "Thank you, Ted." Um, so he is. He picks up the, the the. Hello, Mr. Rush. What can I do for you? But the whole time he's been like, "Hello, Betty." He's like, "Hello, Mr. Rush." Like he treat treat. He goes from like, I don't know, uh, Pete Dunn to William Regal, and it's just. <laughs> Is this, there's a there's a very switch thing that's, that I like it. Uh, I took it as the cockney is who he is, and he has this very put on formal thing yes. to match the. Mm-hmm. I love it. 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 <laughs> um, so this is we don't hear anything from the person, and he, he's going down this hallway from the private elevator of the penthouse. Walks up to this big double doors. He just goes, 
knock, 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 with one little knuckle. Knock, knock, knock. And who opens it but Angela from the second one. And he's, what the fuck are you doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Relax, Ted. It's fine. Master Theodore, or whatever. Is Siegfried here? You kidding if I be asleep till Christmas? Uh, Come on in. Um, She's in a robe with her hair done up in a towel. Um, And uh, this, I am convinced, was just uh, so Quentin Tarantino could have Jennifer Beals, who played one of the sexiest roles ever in his mind, I'm sure, in Flashdance, walk around his set barefoot. Because Quentin Tarantino! Um, But... She's good in this part. She doesn't have a lot to do. I, I'm convinced he just added added her when he figured out he could. So um, he's also she's... loves because he loves playing with like weird time. I I could see him being like, oh sure. There's a really fun way to pull these vignettes that are not really related at all to yes. just pull this one piece of it into the final one. Because uh, it does add a little something. Like it is, it is fun yeah. to to do that. Um, she, uh, hey, the the um, the bellhops here, or the bellboys here. He, he brings in this little. Um, he pushes in a uh, room service cart, um, and uh, and we see we the on him, and then the camera turns to see a very like it's got a, like a the penthouse. There's this one level on the left from where he's standing is the big, huge master bedroom. And then there's stairs that lead down to a huge open area with couches and stuff. And then there's a bar in the back of the, of the lower level that you can see from where you are when you walk in. That's where Tarantino is standing. He's playing the character of Chester Rush. And it's very far away. But he starts, he's like, um, would, you like some, would you like some crystal, some champagne? Um, and he he walks all the way up, and he stands right in front of the camera. And now the camera is right there in his face. And this entire getting to know you scene is just Tarantino's face with Jennifer Beals in the back. Uh, and she walks into the room and asks somebody we don't know who that is. Do you have a light for a cigarette? And then she walks back out with a lit cigarette. She goes down the thing. It's this. It's a very. It's almost like a. We put a camera in the room and it just watch what happens. Like it feels incredibly natural. Um, that this whole thing, because with there is when there is so much dialogue and it's a it's a it's a film, not a play. This is you can tell words are disposed like transposed like dyslexia within yes. sentences, but it doesn't matter because that's how people talk. Sometimes they'll get confused and they'll switch things around, and it doesn't feel polished in any way. It just feels like this very natural thing. And this this shot from when we see. Uh, we see Ted, and then the camera swings around and sees Tarantino really far away, and then he walks up right in front of it. And then they have this whole getting to know you thing about Jerry Lewis, who played a bellboy in The Bellboy, and he was entirely silent performance. And hey, that guy's that guy's got to go to France to get respect. That that is not fair. Um, and uh, and then the camera pans back, to, swings back around to see Tim Roth. Uh, I have this stuff for you, sir. I, uh, are you in a hurry, Ted? He's like, uh, no, of course not. Uh, good. Then let's not, let's not play beat the clock. Um, 
Let's say so walks him down there, introduces him to people. You can see he, the camera. This is all one shot, one steady cam shot. It's really artful. And he should introduce him to Norman, who's another guy who's like in various states of disrobe of wearing tuxedos. All these guys are. And Norman, Paul Calderon, uh, this great black Puerto Rican uh, character actor that was in all so Tarantino's films. But so he's there. And then the camera swings over. It's like that guy over there is Leo. He's on his wife. He's on his phone with his with lovely wife Ellen. He's not on. He's he is having a full on argument with her. And that is uh, Bruce Willis, fucking queen. <laughs> uh, I treat her like a fucking queen. Um, Bruce Willis, who awesome in this, desperately wanted to be in this because he loved the script so much, and he was friends with Tarantino from working on Pulp Fiction. But they could not afford his asking price. The entire budget for the film was four million dollars. He says, I'll do it for nothing. And SAG was like, you will not do this for nothing. And that's why he is uncredited in the film. You will not find his name anywhere in the credits other than Bruce Willis's sty- stylist to Mr. Willis. His name's not in the credits. He's never listed. He's not in the promotional materials. He can't be because he's not working as a SAG actor in it. So they couldn't advert yeah, they couldn't advertise wild. Antonio Banderas, Madonna, Bruce Willis, Tarantino's new film, because like he wasn't technically in the movie, but it's definitely that Bruce Willis. Bananas. Yeah, and also awesome of him. Yeah, he did it for free. Why the fuck is it's? It, it was one scene. He memorized some lines. They probably shot it in three days. It's being filmed in in L.A. Like he just drives down there, does the yeah. thing. Yeah. But also, what a cool experience because also it's problem it's nothing like nothing he he's done like everything action movie like stuff that he's done this was a completely different kind of character anyway i really love bruce willis in this is one of the one of the he was awesome I, in that yeah like this why, was why really i love why i love this vignette so much is 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 him in it um but he says uh hey leo this is the bellboy oh bellboy and he's like absent-mindedly uh gonna gonna pay him give him a tip and uh Tim Roth runs up there to get his tip. It's like, no, 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 Leo, not, not, not yet, not yet, not yet. Remember, this is the bellboy we called about 25 minutes ago. Brought up this. Oh, the bellboy. He gives him a little handshake. And then he goes back on, on his phone call. And so this is all being explained stuff to Tim Roth, who really doesn't know what the heck's going on. He says, he says, oh, uh, and has been uh, through so much already. And so much already. <laughs> But uh, but I love that some of the lines Tarantino wrote for this is really, really great, especially for himself to say. But he's like, uh, I'm not a frog and you're not a bunny, so let's not jump ahead. Oh, that's very good, sir. Uh, so anyway, we find out through all this thing. And again, this is this is there is one really long shot where he introduces everybody. Angela, who you seem to already know, we met her down at the pool. Um, so, uh, just a little while ago. So she just happened to be here. She doesn't know any of these people here. They met her at the pool. That's it. And I could absolutely see some hotshot, young, new Hollywood actor who meets a really good-looking woman at the pool and say, do you want to come up to my penthouse? It's my penthouse. Free champagne. She's like, yeah, sure, why not? I don't really like my husband. We have to do role-play to do anything, and now he's asleep, uh, drugged up. So, yes, I'll go up to your penthouse. I, I like that that's a thing that they do. Anyway, so um, we find out that she's Chester Rush. He's the new, hot, comedic, young actor in Hollywood. Uh, his movie, The Wacky Detective, was a very big hit for him. Um, and his new one, The Dog Catcher, is going to be crazy. At one point, he's like, hey, um, he flips out because he loves Cristal champagne. He hates champagne, but he loves Cristal. 
and somebody left it, let the bottle open, and the bottle went flat. He's freaking out about it. He's yelling all this stuff. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Anyway, sorry about that. Or was I? Oh, yes. He said, you were saying that The Wacky Detective was a very popular movie. It was a very popular film. <laughs> yes, indeed, I was. Leo, what was the final take on box office? Domestic, $72.1 million, which in 1995 wasn't terrible. Would, would, have, would have gotten you somewhere in the top 20 movies of the year. Good idea. Good good number. So, uh, but I'm going to, Dog Catcher is going to be better than next year. Let's, let's drink the Dog Catcher. He's like, he says, uh, is it, would you like some champagne? Well, I'm on duty, sir. Duty schmooty. Have some champagne. So they're drinking champagne and he's like, what is all of this for? I don't know what's going on. So because then they take him up there and uh, he shows Tarantino and Norman the stuff he brought. And the reason he brought all of this stuff was because it is what Peter LeRae asked for. We have no idea why he's talking about Peter LeRae. But um, he says a ball of twine, three nails, uh, a block of wood. And then he's like, a donut? That's for me. He shoves the whole donut in his mouth and starts saying stuff through it. Uh, a club sandwich and here comes angela that's for me she takes that away um and hatchet it's a cleaver it's a meat cleaver i don't know why it's called a hatchet in this thing it's it's a meat cleaver um and uh he says a hatchet as sharp as the devil himself is what i asked you for uh you be the judge sir and uh and then norman says i'll be the judge and he runs his thumb along that's a shot motherfucker uh i'm Almost positive he wanted Samuel L. Jackson for this, but Samuel L. Jackson was doing something else. I'm would positive. would fit, you would know. Fit. But he was no. great. He, he was, was great. great. Yeah, he was great. Um, so uh, let's bring all this stuff down to the bar. Okay, so the little scene where they're looking stuff. Uh, uh, so the whole scene where they're getting introduced to everybody, all of that dialogue, all one take, all one shot, five minutes long, really cool, artfully done. This one, where they're where they're where they're looking at stuff uh, at the um, at the uh, room service cart, that's another shot. Then they go down to this thing, and there's another shot here where they explain to him what the whole deal is. That's another like five minute unbroken take. Like again, I as an actor, I respect so much what it takes for these actors to like not mess this up because then you got to go back to one and you got to do it over again. And because when you when you mess things up in a play. Somebody covers for you. You move on. You have to, but in a film, you got to start that whole thing all, all thing over, over again. You're rolling actual film. This is not digital yet, so the film is just ruined. You got to do that again. Yep. It's expensive. It can really it, doing it like this can easily all of a sudden increase your budget like crazy. When the budget for the whole thing is only four million dollars, you got Bruce Willis over here do- donating his time. <laughs> You can't mess that up, which is why I respect a lot of what this is. So they're trying to explain to him what this all is. And and Tim Ross is like, do whatever you want. I don't have to be involved in this. Trash the place as far as I'm concerned. Just don't break any of the furniture. Like whatever constitutes a good time for you people, you go right ahead. I don't care. It's like, no, but you got to be a part of this. Um, I love this too, because the last thing we saw was this guy trying to quit. So the amount of fucks this guy could not give. Right. Because he's right. has one foot out the door. He's like, you do whatever mm-hmm. you want to do, short mm-hmm. of a dead sex worker. Right. I don't care. That's right. <laughs> Just um, please let me go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, 
Tarantino is trying to explain what's ever going on, and it's like, for, uh, first of all, I want you to know there's nothing homosexual anything we want you to do. I just wanted to, 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 to allay those fears right away. Um, everyone's trying to like, and he's like, it's like, and, and Bruce Willis. Oh, by the way, Bruce Willis. The way this whole thing starts is Bruce Willis is on the phone and uh, Ellen, do not hang up on me. If you hang up on me, your next call better be to a lawyer because we're getting divorced. And she hangs up and he flips out and he takes the, the room service cart and just throws it down into the, into the, like into the living room. Queen, the like a fucking queen. The like a fucking queen. I like a queen. Uh, what did you want me to do? Yeah, I went out. I got drunk. Okay. What am I supposed to do? Drive home? Run over a busload of kids? What am I supposed to do? She's actually being very responsible. Now he's, 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 but however, he's going to tone it down a little notch or two. It feels um, like this is not the first time they've had that conversation. Also true. But he says, he says, uh, he says, Chester, your way of explaining this to him is freaking him the fuck out. <laughs> and uh, so good. Cause even the way it's shot, like Quentin Tarantino's just like leaning over him. Mm-hmm, I also mm-hmm. love that. He says, uh, we're not asking you to do anything homosexual. And then I forget who it is, but someone says, that's right, no weird sex stuff. And the girl from the second scene is sitting right there. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. the way yeah. he's not believing that is... Right. <laughs> so, um, Angela's like, could I interject here? No, you may not. My way of explaining to him is kind of going all around the world, but I think the journey will be worth it. Says, like, um Tarantino. Tarantino too. Yeah. I just yes. love yeah. that. That it's like a little wink and um, a nod to how he directs. And then <laughs> uh, Norman, Paul Calderon goes, why don't you shut up, bitch? <laughs> and Because uh, they don't know her at all. And she says, bitch. I'm sorry. Aren't you the one who's being paid to suck his dick, cork boy? <laughs> and they laugh it off. I thought that was really nice of them to not kick her out of the room. But um, but that's that's the, that's it. He says, um, uh, Leo, Bruce Wells says, listen, um, uh, I nominate myself to be the the one to explain this all to him. Uh, and they're like, "Well, I'm a second nomination. I move the nomination be closed." So now it's just Bruce Willis explaining to to Ted what's going on. And they meant that, so the way they say it is that they were watching um uh, an old episode of um Alfred Hitchcock, uh, the Alfred Hitchcock show, and the episode where Peter Larray. Um, the one who talks like this very creepy old dude from the 40s. Um, he was doing, um, uh, he comes and he bets Steve McQueen's character from this episode that Steve McQueen cannot l- light his lucky lighter, his lucky Zippo, 10 times in a row. If he does, uh, then he wins Peter LeRae's brand new nice sports car. But if he doesn't, then Peter LeRae gets to chop off. Steve McQueen's pinky. And that's that's the episode of the Hitchcock thing. I'm like, these guys are, uh, uh, they say, oh, Peter LeRae and Steve McQueen being fucking badasses. I'm like, that's really not all that badass. That's kind of weird. But, um, so, and then uh, Norman says to, um, to uh, Quentin Tarantino's character, I would do that for your Chevelle. Because Quentin Tarantino, apparently, Drives a 1964 ragtop Chevy Chevelle. It's a beautiful thing. They bring out a a, a magazine with him on the cover of a, a, like a hot rod magazine. America, uh, America's hottest new star next to America's hottest old car. Uh, Paul Calderon says, "I drive a Honda Civic that my that my sister sold me. 
I want that car. That car is that I need that car. I would absolutely my lucky Zippo is going to win that car for me. I also um, love even in things like when they're explaining the Hitchcock episode. To your point about the dialogue being natural, he's like, "You would have known it by now if yeah, you would you would know you, the episode. You know, you know if you see it. You know if you saw it. You remember. You remember if you saw it." Um, like it is so, very uh, human speak. Very great. <laughs> uh, and he's and he says, uh, and Tarantino says, "Listen, um, I am attached emotionally to this car as Norman is attached to his pinky. If Norman lights his lucky Zippo three ten times in a row, he's going to have no problem taking my car. I'm a big boy. I understand what I'm getting. I may be drunk, but I understand exactly what I'm getting myself into. That's fine. I get it." cool i'll buy myself another car however if i win i want to win the bet is if he can't do it i get to keep my car and i get to take his pinky but nobody wants him to lose his pinky we're gonna put it on ice drive him down the emergency room where in all likelihood they're able to sew it right back on not a big deal but it is a bet is a bet however in the heat of the moment it's not inconceivable that i or leo might not be able to wield the axe. Uh, hatchet, sir. Hatchet. Thank you very much. Um, because of the emotional attachment we have to Norman, and maybe we don't want to actually be the one to... But that brings us to you. Sober Ted, clear-eyed Ted, just met us and couldn't give a fuck about us, Ted. Um, we want you to be the dice man. I've got to go out of here. And he runs for the door. And then you hear turns to go, money! And he just hops in one place for a second and turns around. He says, I have $100 here for 60 seconds of your time. Sit back on that stool and allow me to talk to you for 60 seconds. And you can get this $100. Whether you decide to stay here for one second more or not. He says, so let me get this right. I sit down over there. I get $100. And after the hundred dollars, I, I can leave. Just walk the fuck out. No odd feelings. That's right. All right. So he sits down and he explains it with this really cool, artful thing of like adding money to the pile. And what he says is, um, uh, um, uh, will you will you remember? You will remember this forever. But will you remember how uh, you made a thousand dollars? Because he lays a thousand dollars out on this pile um, for one seconds worth of work or refused a thousand dollars for one second's worth of work but i can't remember what the exact reason that he says this next line but i i love it and i want to write it down somewhere so i never forget it again uh the but the line that that he that tarantino says is my old grandpappy used to say and this is the line i love the less a man makes declarative set statements the less apt he is he is to look foolish in retrospect which is fantastic and I love it. that's quite brilliant, sir. Oh, thank you. Uh, but I love that, like if you say this is a thing or this is not a thing, uh, and then later you can be proven wrong. It is. It is uh, honestly, it's it's. There's a lot of uh, media literacy uh, problems. Uh, like so, like I think this will happen. This is likely to happen. This will happen. Well, then you can be proven wrong. See, right. There's there's the deal. Um, so he says, I'll do it. I will do it. I will chop off his finger and says, all right, this is it. We're going to do it. This is amazing. 
Let's all so we'll all get ready. We're all gonna sit here and watch this. It's all gonna be perfect. So he has here's the 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 wooden block. He sets this down. He says his pinky down. Norman's ready to go. He's got he, uh, he's left pinky because he got the he's got the zippo in his right hand. This is a really amazing shot from overhead, where they're all getting everything ready. Let's do it right now before I lose my nerve. Says he's got the he's got the he's got the hatchet wielding it upright here. Everyone's sitting here. All right, everyone's ready with it. Okay, none of us are ever going to forget this moment. It's perfect. And so, all right, and the camera like pushes down from the ceiling and then swoops in to a perfect super close up of the Zippo lighter. All right. Norman, proceed. Strikes it once, it does not catch. And with zero hesitation, Tim Roth brings the cleaver down, cuts off his pinky. Uh, Norman screams. He scoops up all of the money in one moment, in one motion, puts it in his inside pocket, and just little jauntily struts up the stairs and down the hallway. And uh, it's the camera follows him. It's just, again, another really great long shot. The camera follows him up those little stairs and then positions itself looking down this very long hallway. You hear everybody, all this commotion as he wallowed in the hallway, pushes the button. They're like, he just cocks his little bellhop hat up, turns around, hits the button on the thing. The doors close and we never see Ted again. But we can hear everyone going crazy as they're trying to like wrap his hand up in a towel. And, and, and you see him come from outside of the frame. He's sitting up against the wall as the credits are rolling. And Jennifer Beals is there is like just sitting there smoking, like she doesn't care about any of this. And everyone's freaking out. And you can hear um, uh, Bruce Willis on the phone trying to get a hold of his doctor friend who's supposed to be there. It's like, what do you mean he's in surgery? What? No, he's I'm supposed to be waiting at the emergency room. What do you plastic surgery? Who the hell gets plastic surgery at six in the morning on New Year's Day? And so they're like, we got to get him there. So they, they get him all the way to, to the to the. Um, elevator and then <laughs> Tarantino remembers he forgot the finger so he has to run back over here he goes back down he runs up with a bucket full of ice and the fingers in it he slips and the and the and the finger goes everywhere they have to find it and they and we see Jennifer Beals like hey guys uh it was fun I'm gonna go back to my room I'll see you later fade to black because they all get in the it, it was it's just it's so good it's uh, honestly it's 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 one of my favorite endings to any movie ever. I love how, so, I mean, when they go Zippo lighter shot, chopped off the pinky, there's half a second between those it's, things it's happening. It's so fast. It's, and you, all you see is lighter, pinky gun. Like, it is so quick. It is so much fun. Um, and it's how, so perfect that it is the, it's not the ninth light it's the first no it's the he first doesn't, he doesn't even get it to light once i so love good. the way they play with pacing of the scene because there is so much build-up in telling him what they want him to do and then how quickly it goes lighter and you're right because you think they're gonna make it at least to the eighth or ninth one right, like right, that's right. the whole the whole tension of it and it just goes bang bang gone like it is so much fun. And they also kind of said, like, hey, you're also the getaway car in this. And he's like, no, I'm taking my money and I'm out of there. This is the weirdest, worst night of my life. I'm quitting. I'm taking this thousand dollars and I'm out. <laughs> and everything else goes awry. And I also loved, they planned, this was not, this is 
men will literally chop off their pinky in a car bet instead of go to therapy stuff. Yeah, this was true. not a rash decision. They thought this yeah. through to the point where they yeah. were like, well, the bellhop has to be sober on New Year's and he won't have an emotional attachment. They right. thought this so through. So great. And then when it actually happened, everything went to shit anyway, right? Like the idea that the finger's flying and nobody knows what to do because it actually happened. And oh my God, like... um. I love how carefully planned it was. And then when it happened, everything still went awry anyway. Because they didn't want him to lose his finger. They wanted him to keep his finger. But a bet's right. a bet. Like, all of this mental energy went into it for all of it to kind of go to shit anyway. The doctor's not there. Like, I love how much planning and anticipation went into all of this. And then to have so quickly everything happen on the other side of this. I mean, this is like, how long is this scene? And then the climax and the ending happened like that. <laughs> like, it is they so incredible. So long and so many words setting up all this. the action, the action that takes a second. Like it's, it's, it's great. Like it's the, the entire thing is yes, getting to know you a little bit, but really like when they first explain to him what's going on to when he agrees to do it is, I don't know, 15 minutes. And then he agrees to do it, and then it is over in a second. And it honestly, I do not think the the ending works unless it is a second, because that's oh, that's so the perfect. juxtaposition of them taking so long to explain it. And he's like, "Yes, I will do it." And when he try when he does it, it's uh, it's so great. I it's, love it. I love the the it being the first one is so much fun because you you now. There's been so much talk and time put into it. And then for it to just be out of the first yeah. one yeah. Yeah. is so great. Yeah. Oh, what a blast. This was so much fun. This was yeah. so, so, so much fun. So this was your favorite. Yeah. Then yeah, number I'm, three, I'm, then number, number one, then number two. Uh, I probably would go two, number one. Two, one. one okay. Yeah, two and then one. Um. Uh, I, I, a lot, a lot, three's great. Three's, three's its own little movie. You could, you could make the whole thing about those two kids and their mishaps forever. You can make six movies of that. That's great. I, the, 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 the artistry and, and everything and how much I love the dialogue and everything. And that last, the ending is so good to the fourth one. That's number one. Number, number three is great. I like number two because it does feel like a play to me. And that was like what I sure. was. And I'll, I'll always remember watching watching it for the first time in the theater going, these people are crazy. And then the little thing where like you hear the dialogue starting over again. And it was like, oh, these people are nuts. Like, and <laughs> just having that, like all, and the first one, like it was just never for me. It was this, that's not for me. The, 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 the coven of witches and the, the, that's not for me. It could be for other people, not for me. So it's fine. It's just, I, it's not bad. It's just not for me. Um, but, um, I think Tim Roth also, actually, it's, it's the one where Tim Roth does the least, honestly, like he shows up and he has the conversation with Ioni Sky yes, about, that is true. about what, about what's going to happen. And then he leaves and it's mostly like about the women in it. Why it had to start it almost yeah. like, yeah. because it was the beginning of his extremely weird right. night. Yeah. I think I go three, four, two, one. But it's a toss-up. Like I love, yeah. I loved both of those ending ones so much. Man, those those kids are priceless. Those they're kids so are priceless. good, and they're such kids. Like I, yeah. I love. It felt like they act how kids would act in that situation. Yeah. Like 
they're cl- kids are clever to get out of yes. things like menthol on my eyes and they also would do things like i don't know what this hypodermic needle is let's play darts with it and they also yeah, sure. i just remember being a kid on new year's and everybody having champagne and me having sparkling grape juice or whatever mm-hmm. and like acting like it was champagne so like when yeah, they go sure. for the champagne like i love the innocence and then the ending scene of antonio Banderas where they behaved kills yeah. me um did they misbehave yeah. um <laughs> so good but the i mean uh, the the tarantino one is a, a blast here that's one of those ones that it's probably whatever one i just saw it, it but, is yeah. it because uh, it's just one of those things though i i feel like there are a lot of people who consider themselves Tarantino fans who may not even know that this thing exists, exists or, 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 or have found it because like, it's you, by the way, if you want to watch it now, that you've heard us talk about it. Um, it's, on it's on, it's, it's free on Pluto yes. on if you, the, the Pluto app, uh, Pluto TV, you can just go to the, the little, the little magnifying glass, the little search function, search for rooms. It's there. You can watch it. Um, don't even need to log in. Don't need to log in for it. It's really cool. Honestly, I like this available, uh, but it is one of those things that is very rare. Um, yeah. I don't believe they ever. I don't believe they ever released it on on Blu-ray. Like it's just it it to me it begs for a really cool. Like maybe they'll do it in a couple of years. It'll be like the 30th anniversary, and they can get all these people. Like I want all four of these directors to do a director's commentary at the same time, talking about each other's stuff. I want to hear oh, about how so this cool. was made, and I want I want Tim Roth talking me through his process. I want to know all everything about. I want. I also want to know if my my. Um, I have it on DVD, but I don't think it was ever done on Blu-ray. Um, but uh, I want to know if I might my hypothesis is right that these four young directors met, met at Sundance at Sundance nineteen ninety two, and said, "Let's make a movie together. Let's figure out a way to get this done." Uh, I I I would love to know the 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 origins of it, but also this is the origins of. Um, uh, it, this is where Rodriguez and Tarantino became really good friends and wanted to work together more often. And this, the final, the next, uh, next thing that happened for them is they did, uh, they did this and then immediately did From Dusk Till Dawn together, which was again a movie you will never be able to see. You see the, you can see the first half, but it is one of the craziest ideas I've ever seen. And it, it, it comes from these kind of guys. Who say let's make a, a a a heist getaway crime film for the first half, and the second half is just a a, a bunch of people trapped in a place killing vampires. Like the the movie is one thing, an entirely one thing for the first half, and a completely different thing with the same characters for the second half. And I I still don't think that's ever been matched, at least not with the artistry of of a Tarantino stripped written written by tarantino and directed by robert rodriguez what a what a really great we might have that for this for this channel with you just watching the first half and then we can talk about that and then i can fill you in on what happens uh, with everybody else but um um yeah no i'm i'm keeping this in i'm i'm honestly disappointed in myself that i it had been so long since um since i had seen it it's Wait, really good i'm i'm keeping so, it too is it on Blu-ray? This movie, Four Rooms? I gotta find that on Blu-ray. Well, um, there you go. I would say this does a better job of interweaving plots than uh, Love Actually did <laughs> last yes, week. This is two weeks in a row. It, uh, it is a, a much more simple concept in, in yeah. what it tries to be, too. But um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, this this was really this was a fun watch, man. Like I I really liked it. Um, I couldn't get over how many names were in it mm-hmm. with how the the fact I'd never heard a movie that Madonna in it. By the way, nineteen ninety five Madonna. Um, Marissa Tomei, Bruce Willis, Antonio Banderas. Um, like, just insane how... Like, there's, there's rare gems, but they don't usually have this many names in them. What right. a, um, a shameful marketing department <laughs> to mm-hmm. have done this to this film. It was really fun, though. I, I understand why people might not like it, because it is, it is weird. It is out there. Um, I think a lot of the performance is a lot of why it works is so dependent on our, our, our trusty bellhop in this. Um, mm-hmm. Cause he's, he's just great. And I'm a soundtrack nerd. So I just, I love, oh, yeah. the I fact love they, they... that little jazz thing playing over this whole thing. It was so. Oh, also I can't, I can't, I forgot that they had the same. Um, they have a little fun little thing of, of a simple whistle version of sentimental journey that plays over the kids doing crazy yes. stuff. It's and that's so... playing underneath all the kids doing <laughs> doing crazy stuff in the third one. But I love that they brought back the first little the, the little um the the little scat thing from the from opening credits is now the, the the thing that we that we end on with him leaving. It's so so great, um so great. Um, and honestly, this is a good question. I don't know why the like honestly, it was just like here's the, the thing about Rotten Tomatoes that is so weird is like, if you give it two out of four stars, that's a, that's a, that's a, so a lot of people were like this, two of the things were really good. Two of the things were not good. Yeah. So therefore it's a bad movie. It's really hard to like, sometimes Rotten Tomatoes is not a perfect representation of what things are, but nobody loved it. Nobody was like, this was really interesting. Yes, it has its flaws, but the performance of Tim Roth was amazing in that final, those final two vignettes. You have to see it. Nobody was like, go out and see this movie. I also don't, nobody, they didn't fight for this. They put it out on 319 screens in the entirety of the U S it made back its budget. And they said, we're good enough. Yeah. I don't know. Nobody fought for it. It also feels like something that should have a cult classic following. You know what I mean? Like it feels like it should be, well, the way people but, talk about, and I know it's not as the room is known for being terrible, but like it should have that same kind of groundswell of like, hey, we want to yeah. keep this in pop culture's zeitgeist a little bit. Yeah, um, it had, uh, it has thirteen uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes among the critics. Thirteen, but on on IMDb, IMDb, the user rating is six point seven out of ten. So a solid almost seven from people who have watched it who are not critics since 1995. Um, and in 1985, people were like, no, 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 you know? And uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, if you haven't seen it, um, it's really fun. A really fun movie. It is. And you'll have a reaction to it. You know what I mean? Like, even if you don't like it, you'll, Yes, you'll have reactions, which is nice. Like I, I, I appreciate something that makes me have emotions for. Like it, it's it took a risk. Like I appreciate yes. that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So yeah, definitely keeping it in. Uh, and I will 
put it on the list of things I need to watch like every two years. Just to yeah, it's a fun sure. one. It's really fun. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for this. Uh, we'll see you next week. It'll be something fun again. I don't know if it'll be good or not, but it'll be fun. And, and we will decide whether or not we're going to get the flick out of here. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good weekend. Always do our hand gesture at the end. <laughs> R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Click the subscribe button and find out what it means to me. Nah, that doesn't have a ring to it. But if you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.